What's up, guys? I'm Tyler. With me, per usual, is my co-host, Curtis. Uh, we really appreciate you guys listening in to the latest edition of the Glory UGA podcast on Dog Sports Radio, where today we're going to split our time talking football and basketball today. There uh, was some major news in the world of Georgia football late last week, so I'm sure by now, uh, I guess we're recording this Monday night, you guys will be listening to it most likely on Tuesday, Wednesday of this week. But uh, So you've, you've heard this, obviously, uh, with the, I guess it was breaking news last week. Uh, where and we it kind of broke as we were set to record our Friday show last Thursday, but uh, obviously it was the announcement that defensive tackle Trent Thompson would be withdrawing from spring classes to focus on his health after man a pretty scary incident Wednesday night Thursday morning. Kurt, did you get a chance to like see any of the video? Because I didn't see the video until this weekend. Just kind of read about it. Did you see the video at all? No, I actually have not. Dude, his eye like you read about like him his eyes being glossed over and kind of glassy. Uh, they weren't exaggerated, man. Like he looked like he was an outer space like just on a, a totally different plane i don't talking like like high kind of you know different planet like just dude i don't it was weird it was kind of freaky i'm um, just looking at it i mean they really did not exaggerate in the police report uh so that news broke uh i guess thursday afternoon thursday late morning so we're definitely going to touch on that but we also want to talk some hoops with the regular season winding down and our guys man they're doing everything they can to attempt to stream together a late run that at least right now, has put us firmly on the NCAA tournament bubble. Uh, we're definitely on the wrong side of the bubble right now, but we haven't even been mentioned on the bubble here for the past couple of weeks. So it's, it's a nice turn of events here, I guess, to a degree. Uh, but before we get into both of those topics, we have a couple of just quick reminders for you. You can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UJ and or email us at GloryUJPodcast.com. We just finished up with our two February listener mailbag episodes last week, so I hope you guys definitely enjoyed that. We really enjoyed doing it. But if you have any questions or topics you would like us to discuss the next time around in March, feel free to hit us up anytime. You don't have to wait till a couple days before the show. You can hit us up anytime between now and then, and we'll definitely say that we had a couple sent over the weekend, so we will hold those for the next show. We might also work them into, or I should say the next edition of the listener mailbag. We might also work them into a couple of shows here in the interim. Uh, I do also want to take a quick moment. I'm sure you guys have definitely heard about this by now, but I also want to do my part to help promote a new athletic department initiative that I truly do believe in and would really love to help build some support for. Uh, I, I know you all remember Devon Gales, the Southern University wide receiver that suffered a, a catastrophic spinal injury. I mean, there's no other way, get, no other way to say that. It. it was a catastrophic spinal injury in Sanford Stadium two seasons ago. Uh, as, as a Bulldog Nation, we have rallied around him since that time to support him in a number of different ways. And he's, he's certainly made some progress. Um, and he's, he continues to make progress. The nerve damage like that takes a long time to heal. He's still fighting. So we want to do our part to make sure that he's able to continue that fight. I mean, but his life and the lives of his family, I mean, guys, it's been forever changed by what happened. Like I said, he continues to fight, but he is still right now wheelchair bound. And it appears as though that despite that progress, like, it's not going to be changing anytime soon. Uh, so to make matters worse, you know, I don't know if you guys caught this over the summer, but his family also suffered quite a bit during the Louisiana floods last summer. And right now, the bottom line is he and his family are in desperate need of a handicapped, accessible home with all the specialized equipment needed for Devon. Uh, you know, it's been estimated they're saying right now that a home of this nature is going to cost in the range of five hundred thousand dollars, and his family just simply doesn't have that type of money. Uh, so sure they have insurance, but it, it, there's a lot of financial um, difficulty associated with this. So to help them out, our athletic department has unveiled the Commit to the Gales initiative. They unveiled that Saturday night at the basketball game. It was the first time that I had heard of it, and uh, he was there on hand for uh, to kind of award deliver the award for us. Our, our program had won the NCAA Sportsmanship Award, and uh, 
I'm going to ask that we continue that support. I know that we've rallied around him from day one, but I really want us to continue that support and not forget about this family. We've done a great job of that. And look, guys, outside of being a, a Georgia sports focus, uh, a Georgia sports podcast, we aren't really we're not associated with the university in any way. Really, we just want to help spread the word so that Devon can get the care he needs. So, if you are interested in helping Devon and his family, you can donate five dollars, ten dollars, however much, however little you want, by texting Devon. It's D E V O N D E V O M to seven zero six two zero four one seven zero seven. That's seven zero six two zero four. 1707. I know money isn't easy to come by, but any little bit helps. And I would encourage all of you out there to show everyone what being a Georgia Bulldog really means and do what we can to support uh, the Gales family with the many hardships they face due to Devon's injury. So let's, let's do it for this family, guys. All right, so now let's dig into some football talk. And honestly, Kurt, we were talking about this a little bit before the show, right? And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm somewhat hesitant to discuss the development with Trent Thompson withdrawing from classes due to what's being uh, well, it's being reported as a medical issue, and I, and I, I definitely want to buy that right now I, until I get, have some other reason not to. But it seems to be a medical issue um, because, I, and I'm hesitant to talk about this because they were it does man it requires a great deal of speculation, and that is something I absolutely hate to do when it comes to an issue as sensitive as someone's health. But uh, we've gotten a, a, a number of inquiries about the topic, and due to that, I, I know it's something that you guys are interested in. So we will, very delicately, but we're going to talk about it. And I guess we should start with what we know, which, Curtis, is not much, right? No, not at all. Yeah, it's just really admittedly not that much out there. There's been a few interviews. I know one with his high school coaches out there, but I don't know how close his high school coach is the situation, uh, I, more so than you or I, but... Again, I don't know exactly if he knows exactly what was going on there. So let's start with what we do know. We know that the campus police, and this is kind of just a recap. I'm sure you guys are all up to date, but just in case you're not. We know the campus police found him wandering alone on River Road in Athens, uh, which for those of you not familiar with the area, it's really it's very close to the ECV, East Campus Village Athletic Dorms. So it's not like he was just wandering around aimlessly in some random part of Athens. It was very close to where he lives in the dorms. Uh, he appeared confused, glassy-eyed, according to the police report. And if you saw the videos like I did over the – I think I saw him yesterday on Sunday night. It, it was weird, man. It, it was spacey. Uh, he told police he had not been drinking or doing drugs, but he did say that he had taken two oxys, short for slang for Oxycontin, the painkiller. But he took the, toxolo- the toxology – toxicology – sorry, that's a tough word – toxicology reports, and they came up negative for Oxycontin. And our university made sure to uh, promote that, which they – I'm glad they did. We're kind of getting on front. Our PR has kind of been a disaster the past couple of years, so looks like we've learned a few lessons there. Uh, the university right now is describing this as an adverse reaction to prescribed medication that he's been taking for a serious medical condition. Uh, listening to an interview that his uh, – or not listening to, but reading an interview with his head coach, his former high school head coach, uh, he mentioned that he'd been dealing with some blood pressure issues and that maybe that was what the medication was prescribed for. And we also know that he's um, – undergone surgery for his shoulder over the offseason. and maybe that was what some of the medications were. We're not 100% sure that. Again, that's just speculation. Uh, and also, though, and this is the weird part for me, from some comments made by his high school coach, he was very close to Tracy Rocker and was pretty upset when the news that Rocker would be leaving, with the news uh, that Rocker would be leaving the program. Now, I have a hard time believing that has anything to do with this because if it truly is an adverse reaction to medication, I don't know what Rocker coming or going would have anything to do with this because it was medication that was prescribed to him. So I'm not sure that has anything to do with the episode. I really don't want to speculate too much on the medical front because there's just not a ton of information out there. It is far beyond my area of expertise. And I just don't think it's fair. 
What we do know is that it is bad enough that he had to withdraw from spring classes and will miss all of spring practice in the process. So Kerr, obviously the number one priority, priority here is Trent Self. We've got to say that. I mean, that's priority number one here for sure. But I've had a lot of questions about how this might affect the football team. So I do want to at least touch on this delicately today. So Kurt, in your opinion, clearly we don't know right now, but how likely is it in your view that he's going to return to our program at all? Um, I think he will. I think he will return. I just think it's going to affect him come season time. Are you based in the the opinion that he's going to come back? Are you based on anything other than just like gut instinct? More or less, just gut instinct. I mean, there's nothing out. Yeah, that's all we have to go on right now. Yeah, and- I just, I just think it's one of those things where you got to go home and get your head right. Um, I think Trent's one of these guys. I mean, especially in a situation like this, I think. The best way to get ahead of something, no matter I mean, no matter what happened, is to, you know to go ahead and take care of it and not allow it to linger yeah. on. And so they got him out of school. They're gonna get him whatever help or to fix whatever problem he is dealing with, which may be better for him in the long run. And we kind of did this with Jonathan Ledbetter going back to last summer after his incident, and he was I mean he what was it? Ended up six seven games something like that. He was suspended, but basically uh, six games, and he also got taken out of the summer classes he was in. Exactly, exactly, and we did that to help the guy because you know he admitted that he had an issue that needed to work through, and our program was dedicated to helping him get through that issue before he even thought about football. So it seems like we're taking a similar track with, with Trent Thompson. Obviously, it's a different medical issue, but it, there are some similarities there. And I also I'm with you. I do think he'll he'll be back with with our program at some point. Hopefully, by the time summer rolls around it's time to enroll in summer classes i also want to put this out there like you have to think right that kirby smart and staff are heavily involved in this decision for him to take time off of class this this semester um i think they were included in the decision i think um i think they were definitely because i mean you go back to Ledbetter's situation um you know talking to people very close to him he it was it was said that kirby was actually the one that pushed for everything that happened that kirby was the one that wanted him to sit out classes and go get the help that he was the one pushing it. Yeah, and I've I've heard those too. And also, I know you have some sources very close to the situation uh, with the Ledbetter deal. And uh, I know that you're you're you, you've got the accurate view there. So, and listening to you talk, I I think the same thing is going on here with Trent Thompson. Again, it's a different situation medically, but I think Kirby's involved and is going to push just like he pushed for Ledbetter to get healthy before he jumped back on the football team at least full force and get back and take care of classes and things of that nature. I think he's doing the same thing with Trent Thompson. Of course, it's not all Kirby's decision. Of course, his family's involved here, and you got to do what's best for Trent. I think Trent knows what's best for him. His family knows what's best for him. But I think our coaches are definitely included in this matter, in this discussion. And I think as part of that, they're creating a pathway for him to return to the team, and I'm sure he'll stay in constant communication with them, or at least a relatively regular communication with them. Um, as this winter semester or spring semester continues to progress. And I, I would look for him prob- hopefully, and we don't know. I guess it's, again, it's pure speculation. I would like to think we'll be back um, by the time fall camp rolls around and, and summer classes are, are set to go and kick off. Uh, but there, again, there's just no way to know. So, Kurt, let, let's move into this direction. So we both think there's a good chance he's going to be back on the team for this coming season. But how does this potentially affect the 2017 football team? Um, I think you're going to see it affect it. While you know you saw Ledbetter miss some time, when Ledbetter came back, he didn't really miss. Look like he was missing much because he had practiced with the team. He didn't really miss any time away from the team. Where I think it's going to affect Trent. Um, I just don't see. I mean, especially with the surgeries and the fact that he's not going to be around our training staff and the people that can get him back to 100 percent is going to affect him when the season t- comes. I think you're going to see. Um, 
more people step up, I think you're going to be asking more from Julian Rochester, Tyler Clark, and uh, Mikael Carter coming this year. I think we're going to rely on those younger guys a little bit more. Are those guys equipped to fill in the big hole, the gaping hole that's going to be left by Trent Thompson? Let's be honest. The way he ended last season on a, on a tear, is being the MVP of the bowl game at the Liberty Bowl, this guy was poised to make a huge jump and to live up to those lofty rankings that he had coming out of high school as the oh, number one to tackle. So is is because I think he was ready to make a huge jump. Is he going to continue? Is it still possible for him to make that big jump that we were really kind of I want to say banking on, but hoping that he would make coming into 2017? I don't think you're going to see it coming into this year. But at the same time, I do want to point out the fact that yes, Trent ended the season well. But for a majority of the season, he was passed up by Julian Rochester, a true freshman. Yeah, he um, was, but then he won his job back because right now he's well, yeah, but I'm still the more developed player. Julian was still a freshman, so you're hoping to see Julian take that big jump going into his sophomore season also. Yeah, I um, think I, I think there's something to that, and Julian's only, only going to get in better I, and better I shape. Trent was, I think Trent is the alpha male on that defensive line. Don't get me wrong. I will yes. say I think he is. No doubt. Um, at the same time, I think you also, like we're saying, you know, you see the biggest jump in people from freshman to sophomore year. Typically. Now, there's exceptions, but typically you do. Uh, and we we didn't see that jump from Trent, though, this year. And it's hard to put my finger on exactly why, but you're right that he is the alpha male. I think if you look at every player in our defensive front, the guys that we're going to rely on to play uh, big downs for us on the defensive front there, if you look at just their ceiling and their potential, I think Trent's is significantly higher than anyone else up there. I mean, Julian's got a, a ton of potential. He's going to be a really good player for us. I really like what I saw from Tyler Clark in his freshman season. Um, you still got Mikhail Carter up front. You got Ledbetter who, who can slide inside from time to time, but he's more of a five-tech kind of guy. Uh, so we have some bodies there. I mean, Devontae Wyatt's going to be coming in. Uh, you can't forget about uh, Big John John Atkins. Uh, we got Daquan Hawkins. So we've got some guys can fill in, but none of those guys are the caliber prospect caliber athlete with the size speed explosive athleticism combo that trent thompson had and we're like i think do you think our defense could be just fine without him could we potentially still be a top 10 defense a good a defense that's good enough to potentially contend for an sec title without trent thompson i do think we still are i think if it happened this past year i think we would have been in a little bit more trouble relying on the freshman but the thing is this past year so many young guys got so many reps that I think it will help us this year. Yeah, I, I agree. I just I think Trent's going to play for us this year. I think he's going to be good for us this year. And I think as the season wears on, as he goes through practice, goes through fall camp, um, and just and, and gets the reps that he needs, I think he'll progress pretty significantly. And by the end of the season, I think he'll be rolling, the guy that we hope to see early in the season. But I think it might be a stretch to expect that early in the season this year because he's not going to be here all offseason, or most of the offseason, throughout the offseason workout program. So I'm sure he's probably going to be lifting on his own somewhere, but it's not the same as being with with professional strength and conditioning coaches. You're not going to have the nutritionist there taking care of your body. Now they can send you home reports and send you home workouts and your home diet plans, but the follow-through is not necessarily there. You don't have the guys kind of breathing down your neck, making sure you're doing it. You don't have the teammates there encourage you to follow through. There's just not the oversight there. So I don't think he's not, I'm not saying he's going to come in after a – after an off season of of being at home, because oh, look, let's be real, he's not just gonna be sitting at home, laying on the couch, eating potato chips for four months. That's not gonna happen, right? No. Like, like he's gonna work out, he's gonna try to stay in shape, and he'll be fine there. I just don't know if he's gonna be in as good a shape as he would be if he was with the program throughout the entire off season. I also think missing spring practice could potentially set him back some because you got a new position coach, right? Yeah, you got a new position coach who who you want to get accustomed to, who, who you want to show what you can do, and. There's going to be a filling out period there. There always is. So he's going to have to be experiencing that in the summer while everyone wants to go through that in the spring. So 
And, and he's just not getting the reps at spring practice. That's what spring is all about. It's about reps and fundamental work and just improving your game. It's not necessarily about winning or losing a job. Yeah, you can set yourself ahead of the game or you can set yourself, set yourself behind. But you can also make that up in, in fall camp. It's about getting reps and improving yourself fundamentally and just getting better. It's about making that progress, taking that next step. It's a big part, taking that next step, going into his junior season. So I, I think that's going to hurt him more than anything. But I think he'll be back. Uh, I think he'll be good for us early on. I think he'll be really good for us this season where he's on and gets more and more reps. But I think we can still be a, a top 10 defense with that. I don't think our defense was top 20 this year, right? Yeah. And like you said, he spent half the season as a, a two, you know? So if we could do that with – if we can be a top 20 defense with him spending half the season not in the starting lineup, then I think we could be fine without him as well this season. So I don't say with, completely without him, but I think we'll – we can we can hold down the four until he's ready to be the Trent Thompson we hope he can be, right? I think yeah. more or less is the way to say it there. So is it Julian, though? Do you really have faith in those guys stepping in and taking like, – who's the guy that's really going to step in and be that alpha male if Trent's not ready to be that by missing by virtue of missing all this time? I, I'm really going to go with Julian. Um, I think Tyler Clark came on a little bit at the end of the season, but I still think Julian's that guy. Julian came in early, started getting his body in better shape, and I think he's just going to build off that. And Julian's, if Trent is the number... He's also the better prospect of the group. Yeah, he's the bigger, more visible guy. And, and, and Julian also has some underrated quickness to his game. Uh, he's actually an underrated pass rush. You didn't see that much from his senior year in high school because he was just so out of shape after that injury. And he, he he definitely did... He worked his ass off getting in shape this season. He I mean, dropped, I don't think I don't think you guys understand how much weight this guy dropped. If you had, if you had not seen him up close and personal... Uh, his his late in his junior season going into the senior season. I mean, the dude was like he was a, a, obscenely obese. Like he couldn't work out, and he just kind of let himself go, for lack of a better term. And he just flat let himself go, and he was way out of shape. I mean, looking at like the, I don't know if I've ever seen a. I don't want. I'm not trying to hate on him, but like I'm just trying to get you, help you guys understand how much how far he came this season. Like his gut was. It was massive. It was like a planet in itself. I mean, did you get a chance to see him? You were up here, right? Some of the camps you saw him? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. It, was, it wasn't It was pretty, man. Like, it wasn't. But to his credit, he worked his tail off and got himself in shape. So what you saw this year as a true freshman was a far cry from where he was a year ago from that time, so a year prior to that. So major props to Trent for, for – or not Trent, uh, Julian to work to get himself in shape. And I only see him continue to further that – Coming into his sophomore season, I think he—I think you're right. I think he'll be ready to take a big jump, and hopefully, he can help us hold down that fort until Trent gets his feet under him. He's ready to be the guy that we're all counting on him to be long term. All right, so now let's transition briefly to some basketball. Um, it was—it was close, guys, on Saturday against the worst team in the SEC. Uh, I was sweating some bullets there in, in in Stegman, but we managed to pull out our second consecutive victory without star forward Yante Maiden. And uh, we have, we firmly put ourselves in the conversation for the NCAA bubble. Uh, CBS bracketologist Jerry Palm now has us on his first four out. ESPN bracketologist expert uh, Joe Lenardi also now has us. I think he has us on uh, as the fourth team on his last four out. So we're, there's a couple teams ahead of us there. But we're at least in the conversation, which we haven't really been since, I don't even know, maybe the beginning of the season. We have two regular season games left versus Auburn at home, uh, which, which I encourage all of you to get out there for if you can. I know it's an early 6.30 tip-off, but J.J. Frazier, senior night, and the dude deserves it, man. We need to be out there and give him some props. And then we follow that up this Saturday at Arkansas, which is whew, that's going to be a tough place to play, Bud Walton Arena there. 
Uh, then, of course, we have the SEC tournament opening in Nashville next weekend. Where, regardless of what happens these last two regular season games, we're going to have to do some work in Nashville if we want to land in the NCAA tournament. But before we do get into all of that, I just want to take a minute to talk about J.J. Frazier and give this guy his just due. He is, he's averaging 27.8 points a game over his last five. And since Yante went out two minutes in the Kentucky game last Saturday, I guess two Saturdays ago now, he's averaging 31 points a game and has almost single-handedly willed us to victories over Alabama and LSU and almost single-handedly willed us to victory over, over Kentucky, the best team in the league. So, Curtis, talk about J.J., how would you characterize his play over the last three-game stretch? Um, finally coming through. and You know, for a majority of the season, he's been very consistent, missing a lot of wide-open shots, uh, getting opportunities. He's had a down year up until this stretch. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and, you know, it's nice to finally see him because you don't want this to be the last memory of someone, definitely, that's done so much for the program with as little as he has. I mean, he's a smaller guy, um, and he, he plays with so much heart. He's done a lot for us in the past, so, um, you know, it's nice to see him finally getting back on track. Yeah, and I had that listed here on my notes as well. It's like, you know, one of the questions you have to ask yourself is, where has this been all season, you know? Uh, we, against Alabama, we lose at home. I think he had, what, four points in that game? We got blown out almost by 20 points at home to Alabama. So it would be nice to have seen this a little bit early in the season. Now, he, he's been solid Actually, all like, season. You know, the Kansas game, stuff like that. Yeah, when Yontay drops 30 against Kansas and we still lose. Uh, and look, I, I don't want to sit here and say JJ hasn't been at least solid all season. He's been solid all season. He just hasn't been great all season. He hasn't been this good all season. I, what I was telling uh, my wife coming out of the game I was like, this is vintage JJ. This is going back a couple of years, two years ago. He had a, he dropped was it thirty five or I think maybe thirty seven against Mississippi State on the road. Uh, I think it was the the highest uh, point or point output of the season in the, in the conference that year. So he's done this before. He's going back, and he's vintage J.J. right now, what we kind of expect him to be all season long. So I, I've been gushing about him on Twitter. Yes, I know he hasn't been spectacular all season long, but dude, that doesn't, that's not taking anything away from him. He has been spectacular, beyond spectacular over the past week or so now that we need him. And for me, he is just, he is the epitome of what it means to be a true leader. When your team needs you the most, you come through with your best performance. When your team is down and out and everyone's given up on you, you rally the squad, you get them to play above their heads, and you do everything it takes. Every, you give everything you have to win a basketball game or a football game or whatever sport it is. I mean, that, 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 that to me is just leadership defined. And if you're talking about damn good dogs, DGDs, it, it's hard for me to think about a guy right now over the past couple of years that I would put above J.J. Frazier. I mean, I know he's not... The thing is, you know, the, the devil's advocate position here would be like, well, you know, that's great and all, but we had not made an NCAA tournament the past two years, right? You know, he wasn't he wasn't good enough to will us to get into the tournament. Yeah, I get that. I get that. But let's not take anything away from the heart that this guy has and what he's done for our program, putting us on his back. I mean, the dude is just a flat-out baller. And I, I, I know I, for one, am going to be there on Wednesday night. I hope all of you can make it out there, at least if you, if you have a chance to. I know it's an early game. But this guy, let's give him his just due, man. I mean, he he's he's been a warrior for us, and I I think it would be a mistake for us to not acknowledge that. I love the guy, absolutely love him. So uh, there's some talk about JJ and Kurt. Last topic that I want to bring up with you is this: so we're talking about we might be kind of on the tournament bubble right now, but still, I fully realize us making the tournament at this point is still very much a long shot. Whether we're on the the first four out or whatever, it's still a long shot. I think we are better than some of the other teams on the bubble. But we had our chances, and we blew all of them. Like, we just can't get around that. We did. 
Um, and I know it's a long shot, but there's still a shot. It might be a long shot, but there's still a shot. So me being the guy who bleeds red and black like I do, I have been fired up for this stretch run, particularly seeing how our guys have responded to the adversity of losing two stars to injury. Did you see the news about um, about Jordan Harris also this weekend? Uh, I mean, that doesn't bother me as but, much as y'all. No, of course. I mean, Yante, I think, is the best player in the league. I mean, maybe you could But say, Harris, Harris has actually regressed, in my opinion. He has regressed, but he's been a starter for pretty much all of confer- all the conference slate. So yeah, he, and once we've made changes, we've also played better. Very true. Very true. But we've you could still say we've lost two stars to injury, because now he's out with some undisclosed injury. Mark Fox is not really saying exactly what's wrong with him. He says he doesn't really know, but he's out indefinitely, probably for the rest of the season. So I think you're right. He has regressed to a degree. I think, and I've been saying all along that Tyree Crump's the better scorer, the more explosive player. I think he's proved that. Although you know he has some things to shore up, he still takes some bad shots when he gets in. He tries, he gets excited and tries to force things. But you can clearly see when he gets in that he he brings us some scoring punch. Um, but still, the fact remains that we've got two. You can say we have two starters that have been out uh, to injury over the past week or so. So seeing how we responded to that, like it pumps me up, man. Uh, but there are those out there that, despite how excited I may be, that are not nearly as excited as I am over our recent play. In fact, this is the weird thing. This is what I want to bring out. Like, when discussing our, our win over LSU over the weekend with a buddy of mine, with a straight face, he looked at me and told me flat out that he was rooting for us to lose the game. Me being me, I, I just don't understand that mindset. But his argument was that all that playing well on the stretch is going to do for us is keep Fox around for another year where we're going to repeat the same type of season all over again, kind of be in that that purgatory continuously over and over and over. Uh, when I meant, and I mentioned to him that we still have a, a shot to get into the tournament if we catch fire and beat one of the top three teams in the SEC tournament. Yeah, a long shot, I know, but still, we got a shot. His response was, oh, great. So we'll get in as one of the final teams and, and play in Dayton in the first four and then have to stay in this perennial self-imposed purgatory for another year or more. And I get that. So... Essentially, his view is that we will never win big or ascend to the next level with Mark Fox as our coach. And we're kind of delaying. If we win out this this uh, regular season and do enough to get in the tournament, we're kind of just delaying the inevitable for a year longer and kind of setting the program back another year. Kind of the same idea with, with going back to draw a parallel with Mark Rick. So there were people that still wanted to keep Mark Rick around when we fired him that, you know, going into our after the 2015 season. But keeping our, our well, I should say, some people wanted to fire into the 2014 season. We kept him around for, for the 2015 season. And that put us another year behind on the rebuild process. So his view is let's just go ahead and pull the Band-Aid off and let's get this over with and let's start fresh and start the rebuild up. So with that in mind, he really wants them gone as fast as possible. And his view, my buddy's view is if that means losing out, then so be it. We need to lose out because that's what's best for the long-term health of our program. So I think this brings – and this is brings up a question that you hear people say from time to time, different fans of different programs and different teams out there. Is it – how do you see this, Chris? Is it ever okay to root against your team for the long-term benefit of the program? Should Georgia fans actually be rooting for us to lose all these games on the stretch instead of trying to make a mad dash to get into the tournament as one of the final teams in? I mean, I understand the idea, and at the same time, I'm going to be honest and say, even if we win out, I don't see us going to the tournament. And, uh, you know, really? It is a, I, you'd have to win the SEC tournament, really. I don't know. I mean, if we if we beat Auburn, winning at Arkansas, that's a good win for us on the road. I mean, Bud yeah, Walton that's Arena. one good win, but how many bad losses? Right, one good happen? win, and we'd have we'd have to beat one of the top four teams in the SEC tournament, no doubt about it. Exactly. At and least I, one. Know, I, and I gotta say, the biggest thing that bothers me is 
if he if he does win, makes a tournament, it'll be the same thing as what happened with Mark Rick, and it really is the same exact thing that yeah. you know he'll do enough to save himself, and it'll be the continue like the whole Mark Rick thing, the whole idea where you know where it said that if he didn't win it in his last two years, he would have stepped down or whatever. Well, the year we finally fired him, it was obvious that he wouldn't have won it the next year. So why not go? Yeah, ahead if you and go back it? to the end of the 2014 season when we won the Belk Bowl, uh, we beat Louisville. There was some conversation. It, it it wasn't open conversation, but around some circles here in Athens, I know you you're, you walk in some of these circles that. If he didn't win that game, if he did not win the Belk Bowl, there is a very real possibility that he might not be back as our coach in 2015. And you could, and you could watching him on the side of that game, because I was what I don't know, maybe six, seven rows up, and I was watching him very closely. He was as motivated and animated on the side as I'd seen him in a long time. So that at least in some way lent some credence to that to me. And there is some parallel because we he ends up winning that game. We end up keeping him back, keeping him and bringing him back for the 2015 season where we where we, we fall short of expectations yet again. He ends up getting fired. And all that did by bringing him back for 2015 is it sets the rebuild process back a year. You know, you're, you're delaying it for another year. So I see the parallels here. You know, Fox just makes a run here late, kind of like what Rick did winning the Belk Bowl, and he does enough to just barely save his job. Is that really best for our long-term health? Because is he really the guy that's going to be able to get us over the hump and get us to the next level and kind of blow the roof off this program? Or are we just going to kind of be stuck in this same cycle of, Every year being in the bubble, maybe getting it as a 10 or 11 seed, probably not winning a game in the tournament, but, but at least being competitive, being contention. Is that good enough? Is that where we want to be? So I understand that argument, but can you actually, like, is it physically possible for you to root for us to lose? I mean, when it comes down to it, your dislike and your anger at someone can do that. I mean, look at, you know, yeah, we, we've lost so many close games this season, which have hurt us. And I have to say, the biggest component has always been the the terrible coaching of Mark Fox. I mean, the questionable terrible? rotation. Like, is it te- – I, I don't know. I, I think that's to, a little I strong. A terrible it's, coach? It's, well, the, he's a terrible coach because he fit, he won't make the changes until it's too late. I mean, like, you start giving Krupp a little bit more time after 75% of the season's over. I mean, your rotations yeah. of putting Kenny Paul Gino where, like we are talking about, you play Pop Yada almost a whole – Yep, Ole Miss game. Yep, yep. And the very next game, he doesn't come out. So it's the fact that he doesn't, he continues to not make the, he makes the questionable changes. And I think that's what separates him as not a good coach because the fact is that he won't make the, he just continues to do something hoping that you'll have different results. Um, look at the Texas A&M game. I mean, you have that lead and you blow it. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that I just have questioned him in a lot of his decisions. And I think that's also what hurts us at the beginning of the season where it, you come to later in the season and you need some big wins to get you in. I mean, the Oakland game, we should have never lost that game. Well, Yante was in foul trouble. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's comes out of – look, I, I cannot I – w- I cannot and I will not even attempt to defend his personal decisions because that is my primary gripe with Mark Fox is the just flat-out baffling personal decisions. Yeah, and see, it's, a, it's his refusal to change it when – it's obviously not working. Well, he's changed it to a degree because now Crump's getting some more time, and, and Kenny Paul Gino has been on the but, bench but for the better see, part of two or three weeks. How long it took him to do right. that? And that's my thing. You're supposed to. You're with this team day in day out, and you are supposed to be. Uh, you do this for a living. You're a professional basketball coach, and you're telling me that you cannot evaluate your team any better than some average Joe in the stadium or in the arena can sit there and point to you and say, "Kenny, Kenny Paul Gino, 25 out there, he can't play." Oh, and, yeah, and from out there, the guy can shoot. It'll be like times where, uh, you know, 
he uh, Obide plays two minutes and takes him out and yeah. brings in Houston Kessler. Yeah, and so like in, I, I, again, I I cannot disagree with the personnel decisions standpoint. See, I get that. It's just his refusal to he waits till it's too late. Because look at how we're playing right now. We we basically finally whittled our our rotation down to about eight guys, seven to eight guys, and I mean, look, look at look what's at happening Bama now. Game. Look at the Bama game. Yeah, JJ scored like the what last twelve points and win us a game. Eleven last but twelve, those, yeah. But those two back to back threes by Crump really got us going again. Oh, instant offense. I mean, that is that is what you call scoring punch. He did it again against uh, LSU. And now, yes, he took some bad shots and tried to force a couple, but because he knows he's not, he's, when he's in there, he's got to try to do something to, to stay in because Fox is going to pull him right back out. He's, he's stressed because he plays so little. And, his, and the double standard Fox has, this has been the way forever. When when Crump takes a horrible shot, and I'm not going to defend it, some of those, one of those, though, he leaned into the guy trying, it looks like he's trying to get a foul or something from three. It was an air ball. This is just a terrible decision. And he, and he rightfully so pulled him out of that, trying to complain. I get that. But you don't do the same thing when Joan Parker. Make, takes a terrible shot when JJ and I, JJ has earned the right, but still, when Torian Wilwich takes a horrible shot, you don't pull him right out. You you don't. It, it, the double standard is baffling. I know you're trying to teach freshmen a lesson, well, I mean, but at some point it hampers your team. Uh, Obide will make a mistake. He pulls him right out. Yeah, it's a double standard. Mike, Mike Edwards, he doesn't. Yeah, it's absolutely a double standard. So I, I think he's improved. I mean, I will say at least now he's gotten our lineup down to some guys that can actually play, and he's not handicapping us there. But it's. It should not have taken this long, three fourths of the way through the season. It simply should not. You've and it's the same old story year. In, and that's why when you, we talk about purgatory, kind of repeating the same thing over again. I see it because year in year out, we basically kill ourselves and set ourselves behind the eight ball non conference play because he, he's so set on playing ten or eleven guys. Basically, giving it's like the little league mentality. Well, everyone gets to play. We make sure everyone gets in, so mommy and daddy can be happy in the stands. Well, dude, this is college ball. This is big time ball. Not everyone's good enough to play. All right, it's as simple as that. Play the guys or give you the best chance to win. And I don't think he always does that. So I understand. I guess I guess kind of got off topic here for a second, getting on into the Fox's coaching ability. But I under so I, talking about that, bringing it back into the here, I understand why someone would want him to go. And I see why you would think losing on the stretch would be the quickest way and the surest way to get him to go. Because you think that's going to – getting a new coach in here is what's best for our program long term. I get that. But, dude, rooting against our team, I can't do it, man. I just I don't have it in me. I understand it intellectually. It's logical. It makes sense. But when it comes down to it, in the moment, there's no way I can be in the arena or watching a game at home and and, and root against our team. I still have serious I mean, questions. I agree. I think I think I, I mean it's difficult. I mean, especially when you're in there, you're watching, you want them to win. I think it's in me. In me. It's it's in my blood. Yeah, I, it, I can't. It, it, I really I, can't help myself. Even if I end, wanted to root against us, I couldn't. In the end, Fox will slip up one season, and that'll be it. But he's still going to continue his his you know this 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 path we're on. Yeah, and and I can't argue with that because I haven't seen any evidence of, to to the contrary. Now I will say, well, I think one the biggest thing that's probably been holding him back outside of some of the personnel decisions is his recruiting is his efforts on the recruiting front, which have been really substandard. But we've incrementally gotten gotten better year after year after year. We signed two good guys in Jordan Harris. And uh, Tyree Crump last year, uh, we got Yante, although he was not as heavily recruited out of Michigan. Um, and he's done a pretty good job evaluating talent at the high school level. We got Rayshon Hammonds coming in next year, who's who's a four-star prospect. I think I'm pretty sure he's a top 100 guy in the 247 composite ratings. Who I really like his game. He could be a he could, he could be a stretch four, filling up the three potentially for us. So his recruiting has gotten better, but it's still not where it needs to be. But I think we're gonna have to win at some point for us to taking that next step in, uh, on the recruiting front. I, I, I don't know if he's given us evidence to think he will be. So I, 
like I said, logically, intellectually, I get it. I understand the logic behind it, but it's just not in my DNA. I simply – I couldn't live with myself if I ever rooted for us. I, I, I just don't think I could, even if I tried to. I don't think I could. And I also want to point this out. Tell me if you think I'm wrong, Kurt. Like, I also think the mindset of like kind of rooting for our team to lose because you want Fox to go, you think that's what's best for our program. I think that's kind of rooted in this idea of confirmation bias where some, including my buddy who, who is the, the impetus behind all this, they, people have so deeply rooted and entrenched views on Fox that they're kind of blinded by it to a degree. I think at this point, they just want their views to be definitively confirmed. They just so badly want to be right and want their view on Fox to be definitively confirmed that they've kind of completely closed themselves off to any kind of positive signs and maybe even the possibility that Fox might actually be able to improve the program from where it's been. Maybe Fox can improve as a coach. And I, I know it's been a slow burn over the course of almost eight years now. I'm not thrilled with two tourney appearances and no tourney wins over almost eight years. It's been incredibly frustrating. But I do think that that frustration can kind of blind you to the possibility of improvement, which I think we're showing signs of improving. I just don't know if it's going to be fast enough to save his job. I don't know. I, I don't know. Any, any final thoughts on that? No, I think that's it. Yeah. All right. So, guys, that does it for us today on the show. We definitely appreciate you guys tuning in. Check back with us later this week. I believe we'll have our uh, second show up on Thursday this week where we will be going over the defensive recruiting board for the 2018 recruiting cycle. We did the offense last week. We'll be hitting up the defensive side of the ball this week. So check back with us later in the week. Uh, for Curtis, I'm Tyler. You can check us out on Twitter at Lotus Store UGA. Appreciate you guys tuning in, guys. And as always, go dogs.